Welcome to the OA Light a Candle Meeting podcast. Visit our website at oalaig.org, where you will find several speaker feeds with over 800 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for these speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. The opinions expressed on the Light a Candle podcast are those of individual OA members and do not represent OA as a whole. I would now like to introduce I'm Jane, grateful recovering compulsive overeater. I've been here for almost 22 years. I may be crying a lot during the podcast. Hi, thank you. Thank you, Lucy, for asking me to speak. Um, I was just at the OA birthday party a few weeks ago, and if any of you had any part, anything to do with it, I am so grateful. It really um, helped me. Um, have the willingness to uh, stay in program another day. And one of the members gave me this when I was doing the registration as the 12 principles of our program. And, um, you know, when I came in, I was 28 years old, just gotten married, so I thought that I had, you know, that I didn't have anything to worry about. And um, that wasn't true, because deep down inside I knew that getting married to the love of my life, still didn't feel my spiritual hope. At the time, I didn't know how to articulate that. And it wasn't something I was proud of, so I really didn't want any of you to know that. Um, before that, um, I was born in Taiwan, and when I was three, we came to the States. And sometime between three and eight, I probably started to gain weight. My first memory about not wanting to give up the food was, I think I was three or four, watching TV, Somebody, my mom or dad or maybe grandmother, threw my bottle, I'm already three or four, I think, into the trash, and I picked it up. And I have this memory. I don't think I ever asked my parents, did I really pick up this bottle and just, you know, keep sucking on it? But I do remember that. And another thing I remember is when I was close to five years old, we went back to visit to Taiwan, and my mom's mom, my grandmother who lived there, said, if you didn't move to the States, Jane wouldn't be fat. And I always, I remember, I'm like 51 years old, and I still remember that very vividly. Because when somebody points out that you're fat, and they, they're using that adjective as a judgment, or to harm, or to blame, um, that doesn't go away from me, for me. Um, I take that personally. I still do. I disappointed my grandmother. I, you know, I put my mom in harm's way because now she's being criticized by my grandmother. There's so many things that being called fat, I have to work through for the rest of my life, and I'm really grateful for this program because now it's an adjective. It's not loaded with meaning. Um, and if I don't work this step, it will continue to hurt me, and I will continue to judge people and myself by how fat I think I am or how fat I think you think I am. And um, walking down, you know, I walk my dog, and I'm very blessed to live in a place where I can walk my dog. And if I had to think if every person I meet on the street, I would say hello, was thinking about how fat I was, how cute my dog was, but I'm so fat, you know, I'm not, like, cute enough, you know, I'm not as cute as my dog or something, then I'm not present for anything. And that's the way I used to think. Um, when I was young, at a very early age, I, for some reason I just gave up. Like, 
I don't think my parents have the solution to me being fat. And I really wasn't that fat growing up. I th- when I hit puberty, I started to gain more weight. And I think my top weight was 217 when I was in high school, like a junior or senior. Um, and I'm very grateful that I wasn't born like now where there's a lot of social media and cell phones because I don't think I would have survived. Uh, God protected me by giving me a traditional conservative, you know, Chinese environment in which to grow up. So how you looked wasn't really talked about. It's basically how good you were studying. And then um, I was, I grew up with the, the same group of friends. So once it got past the fact that I was obese, it was, you know, that was just not a big deal anymore. Um, and I was able to not worry too much about that. Um, and then when I got to college, I started the yo-yoing to go to the prom. And, you know, it was still really bad because you could, I only yo-yoed it down to like 180 or something, and most of my friends are 100 or 110. You know, in my country, if you're like over 110, it's over. You're too fat. I hope things have changed, but I don't know. So um, it's not my business anymore. But back then, I would yo-yo diet. I would go on a diet, do the best I can, but after the diet's over, I'd still be like 50 pounds heavier than my peers. And I'm like, What's the use anyhow? And then I always binge my way back. Looking back after doing the steps um, twice in this program, I realized that losing the weight did not fill my spiritual hole, although I didn't know what it was. I was still the same. And I think what got me through, you know, now looking back, I had to jot down some notes as text. I have a problem with life. I have a problem with people, places, things, and myself. Like, I can't stand myself, and I just couldn't bear to go there, you know, when I was growing up. Like, why can't I stand myself? So it's much easier to be focused on why am I so fat than why can't I stand myself or why am I in this situation? Why is life happening to me this way? If the reason why everything is not going the way I want it to go is because I'm too fat, life is much easier for me because... I'm just so sorry for myself. I didn't feel anybody had a solution to help me lose weight. I would lose weight, then I gain it back. Um, all this time, I wouldn't really have to look at what really was bothering me. And I really feel when people say God doesn't give you something so you can handle it, I really believe that. And I'm really grateful. I'm Buddhist. I just call uh, my higher power God because it's easier, and that's the word they use in the big book, and I call it a he. You know, looking back... God has protected me so many times in my life. I really feel that the food kept me alive. Um, food is not my solution. If I'm really obese and I know that eating makes me more obese, I don't call that a solution. I just did not know any other thing to do um, to get through another day. Um, I was so, um, I'm the type of person that's very uncomfortable with myself. So I used to binge or restrict or binge or restrict, but it was all about how can I make myself not so uncomfortable with myself. And it's really shameful to admit that I just don't like myself that much. Um, As a kid, too, it's kind of like, well, I don't like myself. I'd be people pleasing, you know, my way through life. So... Even if things were pretty good on paper for me, I knew I was a piece of S, but also I wanted 
could be the center of the universe, and you guys should all anticipate what I want from you. And since I'm you know, such a good person, I'm just that. You guys should just do everything I want without even me asking you. That's the way my head goes, and I'm very self-centered, and it showed me in the big book how self-centered I am. Um, so when I came in here, you know, I thought, like, I didn't have any words, but I got married, right? And today I'm not married anymore, so I'll get into that later. But I thought that was the answer. And when I still had an eating issue, I just went to a nutritionist, and I did lose weight, and I just felt like I couldn't do it anymore. Um, I do like to shop, and I chose my first sponsor because she shopped at this high-end department store, and I wanted to be able to shop there, so I needed to lose some weight to shop there. And, um, yeah, that's how I used to pick sponsors. It didn't work out. That wasn't God's plan for me. Um, but it got me starting this program, right? So whatever it takes. Um, and then, you know, it's like, well, I'll go put a really nice item, you know, from Beverly Hills. Just put it on layaway and use it as a motivation. I couldn't do that. And I remember losing weight and then going out and saying, you know, I've got to see a therapist. And my then husband was like, why don't you continue? It's working for you. You know, and I remember that. And I also remember, like, would a normal person binge her way back the 30 pounds plus more before seeking help or just seek help? I don't know, but I'm not a normal person. I'm a compulsive overeater. And um, so that's my therapist got me into OA, and I'm really grateful. Because back then, I was just, I thought I was the only person who had this problem. And if you, you know, for me, I'm pro, yeah, I could say I'm, the, I'm still the heaviest Asian person in my friend group. And that's okay. But back then, it'd be like, whoa, I'm, the, I'm really am the only person from Taiwan that's fat. Like, none of my girls are fat. They're like half my weight. Um, so I can't really say anything. And everybody knows it's just, you know, probably something that I was born with. You know, I'm going to just go like that. But everything else seems to be okay. And that was so not true. So every day I would have to kind of carry on as if it's true. And it will weigh down me because, you know, our first principle is honesty. I like to be honest with myself and others, but I couldn't. You know, if I, the only thing that was honest was the fat. It was on me. Everybody knew I was fat just by looking at me. Did they need to know I also have character defects or other things that I only thought that thin people could get away with? No, I wouldn't want anybody to know that stuff. Um, so I was just really nice, you know, kind, really, you know, I'm Buddhist, I'm really good at that. And I am Buddhist, but also <laughs> I use it to be like, oh, you know, um, I'm better, I'm not as vain as other, you know, whatever. It's just not true. Um, just to protect myself, because being fat, I was always worried that I couldn't handle your comments. Because as a kid, when people ask me, why are you so fat, I just, you know, didn't know what to do. Probably burst into tears. So even when I started to lose weight, it's like I still have this anxiety that you're going to say something about my looks, my weight, good or bad, doesn't matter. I'm going to lose and maybe kill you or at least stab you or something. So, yeah. So this is anxiety. This is me in self-will. I'm not trusting God's going to take care of me, right? God's going to help me behave. God's going to show me how to act. And this is why I have to stay here 21 years later you know, last time I shared here, I think it was nine years ago, and I remember my sponsor back then was here, and another member was here, went out to dinner later, and the other member has since passed away, and my sponsors moved to Palm Springs. But I was really white-knuckling a very restrictive food plan, so I was probably 20 pounds thinner than I am today. 
I don't know if I was any saner or closer to God. I really can't tell you if. And I can't, you know, the body dysmorphia protected me when I was an obese teenager. But I didn't really remember the five to six years that I was 20 pounds thinner than now. I cannot remember what it feels like because even then, I still felt that I was too fat. And in my head, it was just like, how can I get thinner? Not how can I maintain, how can I maintain my spiritual life, you know. That, that part I do every day because I know I'm crazy and I need sanity. And the only way to have sanity for me is to, when I wake up in the morning, connect with my higher power right away. And I have kids and I have a dog, so it's very easy. I don't even have to think about it. Somebody else is, you know, quote-unquote running the show, and that's God speaking through other people or my dog, uh, D-O-G, G-O-D in reverse. So I'm very grateful for the dog. And the dog loves me no matter what I look like, you know. It's, you know, I just can't believe that. Um, and that reminds me, God loves me no matter. God loved me when I was over 200. God loved me when I was thinner than I am today. God loves me right now. God loves me today. And I have to work program to let that love in. And I see that love coming in through all of you. I mean, there's so many people here. I was just start crying with gratitude. The people that were here when my first year, and then the people came in after me that really, I just see your face. You don't have to talk, and I will be grateful for you. Because I know that you're living this experience. It's not easy. It's a simple program. It's not easy. You know, my abstinence is no continuous eating. Because I used to be a grazer. So when I first got abstinent and I was working the steps, I gained some weight before being able to let go. And my personal experience with food plans is in order for me to release weight, uh, my food has to be pretty limited and the choice is very limited. That's just my uh, personal experience. When I was, um, I can't remember what I was going to say, but basically going into the steps was I knew what I was looking for all my life because the outside changed for me. Nothing changed inside, and I never felt good about myself. Even when I was thinner, I never felt good about myself. The only reason I could feel good was because I was doing the steps, following the traditions. I was going to meetings. I was connecting with people. The first few years, I really suggest that just find a little dot squad, people you can go to lunch with, people you can call, um, text, whatever, you know, because it is hard to work. You're not, nobody's meant to work recovery by themselves. If I'm stuck with my own brain, I'm a goner. I'm out of this meeting and I'm surrounded by all of you. But my sponsors here, her sponsors here, I have so many people here that I know are doing this program one day at a time. And to me, it still feels really difficult to not go to the food just for today because I'm still stuck with myself. It's not like I had, you know, when, I, when people talk about the spiritual experience, I really feel that for me, step 12 is, just Jane accepting Jane for who she is. Now, if I have to fake it till I make it, I will. Because today, for 21 years, I have chosen to live rather than to die a compulsive overeating death. And that means a lot to me, but it also is not easy um, for me. You know, I don't know about anybody else. So the more time I have in this program, and I'm so grateful I had two kids, 
in this program because they're program kids. They're not a product of my self-will. That's so scary, I can't even tell you. So I really feel that um, learning how to be a mom, learning how to be a wife, I learned here, you know, in the solutions in the big book, um, learning how to just be a useful person. I think one of my worst shameful secrets was my parents spent so much money on my education. I spent like a hundred grand on weight loss all my life. And I'm sorry, I just feel like I just wasted all my parents' money because that, that money wasn't made by me. I didn't make the money. And they just wanted to help me. Um, and I'm not self-supporting, really. So I have a lot of shame about that, too. So the only way I can be in acceptance with all that is by being useful through doing service for the 12 steps, for the program. And if you didn't have service positions, I don't know how I would, how I would have achieved that. So, you know, somebody says, okay, you, you know, do some setup. Used to go to kitchen sink every week, and I loved doing the coffee commitment because I get to shop for food. You know, I go to Bond and like, oh, what coffee? You know, whatever, and then ask people if you like the coffee. And I get it. You know, and that's the only. That's like how I started doing service because you got to start somewhere. You know, like I'm not. I'm very shy, and if I'm always thinking, are you going to like me or not? And I'm, you know, and I always have to be perfect no matter what culture I'm in, and that's really tough because I'm not going to know, and you know went to college in the East Coast, and this is L.A., and, you know, whatever. And then I lived in Japan, lived in Thailand. It's like, I can't please everybody. And I know I can never please myself because I am the best perfectionist you will ever meet, hands down. You know, last time I shared about, I remember the whip that's always whipping me, okay? I, I left it outside. Somebody suggested I kneel and pray, and I just gave that away. But it's coming back in, the, in an hour when I leave here if I don't work the program, you know? So it's almost like a 24-7 working program or else the whip just comes right out. It is very scary to me how my self-will and self-criticism just comes out. Which is I'll just be doing something and just start floating in. And if it weren't for a program, I would not have the pause button to just take a step back. Because sometimes I'm doing stuff with my kids, you know? And... If I'm not happy with myself, I don't have to be happy with myself. If I can't accept myself the way I am, there's no way I'm accepting them the way they are. And that's really scary. Because I grew up in an environment, even though my parents didn't say anything, I just internalized everything the culture said. And there are a lot of things that don't work in this culture today that I still have to let go of. Um, so basically, the food... The sponsorship, okay, so my sponsor, the first one I picked because of the shopping, that didn't quite work out, because she was, she said no sugar, but then she was eating frozen yogurt, and I had, you know, everybody has his or her own path of food, I cannot judge her food, and I can only do what works for me after talking to somebody else, because I can't figure it out in my head either, or else I wouldn't need to be here. Um, my second sponsor I picked because I wanted to be her friend, and that is not a good reason to pick a sponsor either, but... That was the best I could do back in 1998. And if I didn't have her, I wouldn't be in program. So I'm very grateful for that. And she moved to Colorado after a few years. And then I got pregnant, and my sponsor then told me she doesn't have experience with marriage and kids, so please call her sponsor. So I called her sponsor, and um, a few years after that, because she was on the east side, I picked another sponsor who was on the west side, and she was all about the big book because she's also in the 
mother program. And that's where I used to go meet her in Century City during her lunch break and read her my writing. And I still remember this, because I think I only had one kid back then, but it was God is everything or God is nothing. So for some reason, that stuck with me. And as soon as I'm having trouble with my self-will, I just remember that. And then it just takes me out of self-will because I'm not here to make myself better. Yes, I do believe that if you work the steps, keep the traditions and working with other people, you know, you, follow, you keep these principles. I feel like all of us who are in OA, we do want this. We just don't know how to do it. Um, or we're just too uncomfortable doing it. To me, I'm one of those people that I have to be right, even if I never say that. Okay. And that means, wait, I want to be honest and have integrity and show humility and be of service. But if you're not doing that, why do I want to do that? I don't want to do it if you're not going to do it, right? So it's kind of like the self-righteousness run riot. It's like, wait, you're getting in my way of being all these things because you're just a mean person. And that's not what God wants for me today. You know, I can do, I can follow these principles. It doesn't matter if you're following them or not because I'm doing this for me. And um, if God is everything, then I can rely, fully rely on God for everything. That includes um, any kind of insecurity I have, which is a lot. I'm insecure with myself, so 24-7 I have to be with myself. If I don't have God, and if, if I don't have you guys who are, like, um, God speaking through you guys to me, that means I'm left with myself, and I am the same fearful, shame-based person that I was when I came in after, a year after I got married. You know, deep down inside, I knew that the marriage wasn't going to do anything. And I'm just really grateful for God that God showed me that 17 years into program. So at year 18 or 19, God gently led me to the people program. I swear, if I didn't have 18 years of OA, I would not have survived the other program. I just can't. OA is what I do because I'm uncomfortable with myself. And that's 24-7 unless I'm with you guys. Unless I'm letting God be my everything. And I'm really grateful because that is my solution to life. Because if I didn't have that, I wouldn't know how to live. I'd just kind of be doing the motions until I die from compulsive overeating or restricting or whatever. But it would still all be about me hiding behind the food, you know. And that's a really painful way to live. And I knew it. I lived it for 28 years before I came in here. I know how painful it was. And I knew that by the time, you know, if it weren't so painful, the Beverly Hills weight loss person would have been great, you know. But I was miserable even though I was losing weight because by then I got on so many diets already, I knew it wasn't just the outside. But if nobody's going to show me how to behave, then I'm never going to, you know, get rid of this pain. And for today, I know how to behave. I don't have to live with that pain. And whatever pain I feel, there's a way to surrender it. There's a way to work through it. I mean, these steps have really saved my life, you know. Um, I have more in common with these guys from 1939 than I do with pretty much anybody from my country of origin. And, you know, I don't know why God brought me here, you know, to Santa Monica. And I'm not a 
L.A. person. I don't like to drive. <laughs> so, yeah, so I'm always thinking, oh, yeah, you know, life is so much better in New York City where my brother and sister and cousin, you know, all that kind of stuff. And, um, but then as I have more time here, I realize God brought me here because this is where program is. Now, I'm lucky to live in a place where a 10-minute drive, usually there's a meeting of some sort, every night, every day. So I don't have to be alone. And also, I see many of you, like on the street or driving or whatever, and you guys are living your lives. You guys are, you know, working program. Life on life's terms is not something I wanted to be attached to um, a diet, you know. What I didn't know before was no matter how much weight I lost, I was not ready for life on life's terms. And that is too scary for me. Now, I probably figured that life was too scary for me when I was three or four years old. And then I also figured out, I, think, I don't think my parents have the solution for that one. So I'm just going to you know, not even ask. Because to know that no person has a solution is really scary. But what I didn't know is I would... I, I love going to temples. I pray to Buddha for everything. But I didn't pray to Buddha to restore me from sanity from my compulsive overeating until I got here. And I um, remember, you know, my grandfather passed away. And before he passed away, I was on my knees praying to Buddha, please let him live. If you let him live, I think I said, either I'll go vegetarian, which is not hard, but I think I said i do something like lose weight, which is hard. Okay. He died. And um, I'm the only person that gained weight during that 49-day mourning period because all my relatives were too distressed to eat. But I don't know what that's like. I'm a compulsive overeater, you know, gained weight during the divorce. I do not know what it is to not eat over sad things or whatever. Because my, the way, what I do, my solution is to eat over that because I don't know how to handle the emotions. You guys have already shown me how to handle, how to let go, how to talk to other people. I mean, program is basically my blueprint for living. So as long as I remember that, I don't need to go to myself. And I don't need to go, like, Google how to grieve over divorce. Sure, the information is important, too. However, what gets me from now to the end of the night is over here. It's you guys. It's not something I can just Google or just ask my friend because... I realize the older I get, the more I need program. And I've had some friends who left program, who, you know, who are not in my neighborhood anymore. And I keep in touch with them because they are still living program just differently, just not where I am, somewhere in the valley. Um, we went through the first few years of my recovery together. And, as, and now we talk about kids, we talk about other things going on, but... It's because we worked program together, ate together. Eating with other compulsive overeaters really saved me because I was so afraid of showing you what I ate. Now, I'm not good at this anymore, but I used to be good at like just kind of you know being very ladylike and then going home and eating a lot more. Um, now I can't do that. I just eat. Okay. So. Um, Back then, it was like, oh, everybody's kind of eating something different, and everything's okay, and everybody's absent, too, you know? So it wasn't like I had to follow one person, because my, the easiest way for me to live would be like, okay, you're my guru. I'm going to follow you, everything you say, okay? I'm going to be the best student you ever had. 
And then one day you're going to disappoint me. I'm just going to totally, like, blame it on you. But I hope you're perfect because I'm perfect. I deserve somebody else's perfect. So this is the stuff I live with, too. And um, one day at a time I can let go of that because God is everything. Right? Thank you. So um, I think I'm going to wrap up by saying just for today, um, it says life is beautiful there. It is because I'm able to change my attitude. I've been saying the on acceptance for so long. The third step prayer on the other side, relieve me of the bondage of self that I may better do thy will. The bondage of self is what I got, what got me here. And that showed up as me, my obesity. But no matter, like, like my whole life, it was just bondage of self. Bondage of self because I just wasn't comfortable with myself. And today, I can be comfortable with myself because I'm working this program, not because suddenly I just got, became a better person, I feel better about how I look, I can wear, you know, nice clothes or whatever. It's because I'm working the spiritual program. I have a spiritual malady. And I did not have the vocabulary to articulate that when I came in. And when you guys shared about that, it really, I knew I was in the right place. Um, and, you know, because of learning how to be a useful person in program, I'm able to have friends outside of program. Um, and I'm not like being a fake, you know, nice person. You know, I'm just being myself, and I am still nice and kind. And I can accept other people as they are. Um, and I don't have to eat about how other people are if they make me uncomfortable, which 90% of the time they are, because most of my friends will still talk about issues. Like, I used to have such a problem. I'm like, wait, I'm still fatter than all of you, and you guys are still talking about how fat you are, how you want to lose weight, what procedure you just did or whatever. Like, can't you see I'm, like, a sensitive being here, you know? Like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm a friend of yours. But then, working the steps, I learned it's none of my business what my friends talk about. They want to talk about that stuff all night long. That's fine. I don't have to participate if I don't want to. God can show me how to be a kind friend, understanding friend, and still talk about things that I care about, which are not those things, you know? And if I am interested, I can ask about it. But I don't have to people please just so I can belong to a group. You know, this is my family and this is my home. And because of you guys, I can be a better person outside. I feel, I share this a lot. When I go out that door and back in Brentwood, I used to say I'm the fattest person in Brentwood. And it doesn't matter if it's true or not. I may be the fattest person in Santa Monica. I don't care, you know, because I'm a child of God. And that's how I live my life. And I can't do that without program. I can't get through the next half hour without program. I can't get through the next hour without program. I don't know how people without program do it. I just know that I need program. And if it weren't from all of you these 21 years, I would not have stayed. You guys are, like, walking the miracle for me. And when I see you, when I make outreach calls, a lot of you are my friends. I am, like, grateful because you guys are saving my life one day at a time. And I'm really, really, really grateful. And for whomever is listening to the podcast... This program works. Keep coming back. Miracles are happening. Thanks. Um, question? Huh? Um, the question is, can you talk about how program and God taught you to love yourself? Um, thank you for that question. 
I do feel that, in all honesty, when I wake up in the morning, I do not love myself. But because of program, there is a miracle that happens when I wake up. Is I turn my will and my life over to my care, uh, care of my higher power. So it doesn't matter. I learn to love myself throughout the day because I am following what my higher power would like me to do. And I totally, I'm always asking for guidance because I know that I can take back self will very quietly. Uh, the whip can just come out. As much as I fear, you know, the whip just comes out. And um, something comes up with the dog, sometimes my daughter, with just myself. I could just be here sharing and the whip's like, you know, like all these self-criticism come in. Um, I can say that I'm able to love myself, probably not the way that I want to because I'm a perfectionist. Um, but I think as long as, when I wake up in the morning, as long as I am doing something, praying, taking some kind of contrary action that I know is because I'm practicing the first three steps, then I know that I, I can love myself and I just do it. I don't wait till I'm willing to do it because that would never happen for a person like me. I want you guys all to love me first because I'm a perfectionist and I already think that I'm like deserving of love even though I don't think that. So basically waiting for my head to figure this out is a, is a waste of time. So um, that's, yeah. So, you know, connecting with your higher power right away, I think is the best way to love yourself. Thank you. Um, the question is um, talking about how pro I take program into raising my kids and being with the kids. Okay, so um, my first three years in program, I was really blessed. My ex-husband worked a lot, and I didn't have any kids. And I really, you know, my kind of job, I didn't really have them. So I had time to go to a meeting a day, work a lot of service. I even like volunteered in an intergroup or birthday party. It was great. Um, the more I spend time with you, the more I was comfortable admitting that I was one of you. Um, and I had the gift of desperation. I was just so fat. I just didn't know what to do with myself. Um, when I started losing weight, I really started to feel like I had this down. And I remember I was like walking, you know, taking subway in Tokyo, and then I realized, yeah, I have kind of like, you know, three meals a day, and I was not eating very much, and I was looking really good, and I was like partying in Tokyo and all that. And then I got back to Taiwan and found out I was pregnant with my son. And the way I ate had to change. And that's when I felt God was just telling me, you know, humility. You'd really, you know, it's like you've got it when you're with program, not your own head. Um, and that happened again with my daughter, too, when, my, um, when I got with my daughter. But I started making calls when, like when my son was born, I didn't know what baby clothes to buy. I didn't know if I could eat cheese with mold on it. I had to call a program friend. I just saw him at the birthday party. He's moved away. I did not know how to handle the sleep. I did not know what baby, I mean, I just was clueless. And I was a clueless perfectionist, and that is a recipe for disaster. It's like immediate disaster. You know what I mean? And my, I don't know what my uh, ex was thinking, but anyway, I'm trying to raise these babies. So God led me to a baby program that was very program-based, in my opinion, and then led me to help. I asked you guys for help. You guys help me. You know, whenever I have any kind of parenting issue, I share about it. Somebody usually has had it. And when I'm with them, I remember that 
you know, they're, they're children of God. And whoever said that your kids have their own higher power, that was the biggest gift to me. I felt so much relief. Wow, I'm not their higher power. What a relief. Because I'm, you know, I'm a clueless professional. I have no idea what I'm doing. And then I will get anxious if they're not doing what I want, right? So um, practicing the program, doing 10 step back at the time, just reaching out and sharing. And, you know, God brought other program members into my life during those times. In the beginning, we had a baby group for my son. And then when my daughter was born, at other ways of connecting with other parents. I'm still friends with a lot of them today. Like, food, the food change, the way we're programmed change. But program doesn't have to change. God is everything and God is not. That doesn't change, no matter how many kids you have or not, don't have. Um, and when I go to a meeting, I'm a much better parent because I know that it's not about me, you know. And I had so much anxiety because I didn't, I was so scared I wouldn't be able to raise a daughter. And I remember sharing about it. A lot of you are probably at the meeting. Like my son, I'm okay. I'm not a guy. But my daughter, what happens if I'm too fat to be her mom? You know, like a lot of things. And I also grew up in a different culture. And I'm going through that now. Um, the miracle is I know a lot of people in program with uh, people my daughter's age. You know? And that saved my life. I don't have to do it myself. Her higher powers are higher powers, not even me. So that's awesome because I know I'm not a good higher power for anybody. You know, like self-will is not, you know. I don't want myself or my higher power either. I want a higher power that works for me. Thank you.